Proverbs chapter 10. As you're turning there, Pastor Manny reminded us, because he just finished teaching through the Proverbs, how it was tough for him to be able to teach uh, in the Proverbs because as a pastor, uh, you always want to just jump into the verse. You always want to camp in the verse. And, and when you're teaching through the Proverbs, unless you want to teach it for 20 years, uh, you can't. Right, you have to kind of go through it, and you have to give a a, a, quick, a quick commentary and, and and what the Lord shows you, and then you move on. And so I I was reading through you know my daily devotions the other day, and I came across Proverbs chapter ten. And so Proverbs chapter ten, verse twenty five reads: When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. That's pretty straightforward. Right for the for the Christian, it's a it's a wonderful promise. Uh, for the unbeliever, not not so much. Right, that the fact that we as Christians have a, this promise of an everlasting foundation, it, it blows my mind. I I can't wrap it around that promise, but but it it's true. But I, I, perhaps there's some of you out there that that would say, yeah, but but that proverb says for the righteous, and I don't. I don't feel righteous. Well, that's precisely what makes this verse so amazing. We just finished singing that song, Amazing Grace. That's what makes it so amazing. You see, our righteousness, of course, you know, because you're first service and you're biblically up on all these things, that our righteousness is not our righteous. When, when the Bible calls us righteous, it's not talking about our merit, it's not talking about our behavior, it's talking about that imputed righteousness that we have from Jesus Christ, right? Imputed is just a fancy word for uh, his righteousness, Jesus' righteousness credited to us, assigned to us. That's what it means. And so, you know, every believer in and of themselves falls short. We, we, we have to know that, right? We all, we all sin. Romans 3.23 tells us that. That the Proverbs, they, they teach wisdom. They, they teach right choices. They, they teach right living. But if we're to read this proverb and credit the word righteous on a person's merit, then I don't believe there would be anyone that would have this promise of an everlasting foundation. Christian, you, you and I are righteous because we trust in Christ. Amen? Declared righteous because of Him, period. We're, we're, we're sinners and if left alone to answer to our sin, like the proverb says, we would one day be no more. The wages of sin is what? Death. Romans 6.23. And this is important to know, guys. Before we accept the good news, we need to be convinced of the bad news, right? If we do not trust in Christ, then we're going to be confined to hell. That, that's what the Bible says. That's not my message. That's God's message because he is the only one that can pay for our sins, right? We're, we're, we're going to be confined to hell for eternity, no longer having identity, no longer having a name, living, but no longer having life. Sentenced to death without the chance of parole. There's no such thing as a timeout with God, guys. Some of us might have come from you know, a religious background where they tell you that there's such a thing as purgatory, but I've been trying to find it in my Bible, and I, I can't find it. The Bible, in fact, tells us in Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, what? Judgment, right? But the good news for, for us of us who, who have this promise, eternal foundation, is that 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become righteousness of God in him. We are the righteous because of, of Christ. I love that, that, that slogan that basically repeats what Ephesians 2.8 says, which says, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. Paul in Ephesians 2.8 tells us that, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This is a good time to uh, you know, proclaim what Pastor Mark proclaims sometimes when we have our eyes closed and we're worshiping and you hear someone say, thank you, Jesus. That's Mark, by the way, if you ever heard him say that. This is a good time to say, thank you, Jesus. Right? That's something to be thankful for. 
we can say without a doubt that this promise of an everlasting foundation that we read here in the Proverbs is amazing. It's, it's amazing grace. Because if you, you see, if, I, if I'm being completely transparent with you, and I have a feeling some of you guys can relate to me, I sometimes associate myself more with my wretchedness than with my Christ-credited righteousness. And yet as foreign as that word righteousness may sound to me or to any of you, if you're a Christian, meaning that you believe that Christ was born in perfection, that he lived in perfection, that he died in our place and was raised in perfection, then it's true. You are righteous. You have an everlasting foundation. You've already won. But having established that, having already established who the righteous is, today I want to talk to you about something else. This proverb brings up the whirlwind. The whirlwind or the winds of life, the storms of life, right? That's a, the, the, the title of today's study that Mark gave you um, before he was supposed to. Marching through the winds of life. He says it's a deep uh, title. I don't know if it is, but it's the best one I can come up with. Marching through the winds of life. Let's read Proverbs 10.25 again. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. So we see the whirlwind, right? First and foremost, we can substitute that for a storm or for a wind because that's what the word means. Whirlwind in, in Hebrew is the word sufa, and the definition is that of a storm or wind. We see the wicked, and that is everyone who hasn't placed their faith in Christ. In the end, we're told that they are no more. We see the righteous, and we establish already that this is everyone who has put their trust in Christ and has his credited righteousness. And then we read about this everlasting foundation. This, of course, can mean heaven as the ultimate foundation, that destination, right? But the word also means bottom. It means a foundation as of a base, something that a building sits on or, or the, the ground underneath us. So it can mean the, the narrow road that we walk on as Christians. It could mean this, this, this voyage through life that we walk on, that we have that everlasting foundation. Even though the whirlwind is coming across every single one of us. It's the same road that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 7, 13, when he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now the context that Jesus is talking about is himself, that he is the only way, I'm the only way to the Father. Right, But it, it, we can also relate it to, to this road that, that, that God has called us to walk. And so today I, I want to discuss three things about the winds of life, the, the whirlwinds of life. Number one, the, the range or, or the reach of the wind. Number two, the reason for the wind in our lives. And number three, the, the response. What is our response to the winds uh, of life? Let's talk about the reach and the range of the winds. In case you haven't already figured out, Christians are not immune to the whirlwinds that life brings us, huh? It would be nice, but, but, but we're not. We have to face them. We live in, in a fallen world and fallen bodies, and, 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 and unfortunately, because of that, we, we, we still have to deal with the things that everyone else in the world does. Nowhere in the Word of God does God promise us that we're going to be free from the effects of the winds of life. Nowhere. If we look at this verse in, in the Proverbs that we're reading, it says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. It doesn't say that the righteous don't go through the whirlwind. It just says that the righteous have an eternal foundation. Isaiah 33.3 tells us, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Through, through, through. We're going to have to go through the, the whirlwinds of life, guys. I was thinking about uh, that old hymn. Uh, it's made popular by, by jazz bands. Um, I think Louis Armstrong recorded it and, and made it famous. 
Um, it's called the When the Saints Go Marching In. Do you guys know it? Don't make me sing it to you, please, okay? Oh, when the saints go marching in, or when the saints go marching in, it says, oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in, I asked Irma if she would sing it with me, and she said no, so I'm just going to read it to you. Wouldn't it be nice if as soon as we followed Jesus, we wouldn't have to face any winds, any storms? That, that going forward, that day that we asked Jesus to come into our heart, everything would be okay. Well, one day we know that it will. But on this side of time, we still have to march through some things. I want to be in that number, but we're going to have to march through. By the grace of God, um, if we're Christians, we're promised an everlasting foundation. It's our ADRs in Christ. But like the song says, again, we have to take that voyage. We have to march in. It's still a destination. I always wondered, Lord, why is it that when we accept you as Lord and Savior, you just don't beam us up like Star Trek, Tom? Huh? Beam me up, Scotty, right? Like right there and then just zap us, take us. Well, we know that, that he has a plan for us. There's still work to do. There's still friends. There's still family. There's still a world that is lost. And unbeknownst to me, I don't know why, but he wants to use us to be able to declare that message. In this world, we're going to experience the winds of life. Sometimes those winds develop into whirlwinds and sometimes they develop into storms. I was thinking about this season that we've lived through or should I say living through. It, it really truly has been extraordinary or extraordinary. Think about it, guys. Think about it. A, a, a world virus, a, a pandemic that we would never except for the movies, ever imagine that we would be going through. Some of you have lost loved ones. I've lost a loved one. We have a brother here who was in the hospital for over two months, close to being on a ventilator, close to dying. It's, it's an amazing thing to think about that we are actually living through something like this. Now, thank God that we're on our way out, it looks like, by the, the grace of God, right? But we're still going through it. I was thinking about even, you know, when we were first starting the pandemic and the fires that we had in California where you couldn't see anything. I was thinking about the divide in our country like never before, going through this crazy election, culminating in the storming of our capital where people died. I was thinking about seeing our country flee more and more from the core of her greatness, which is what? In God we trust. I was thinking about the liberal and the wicked mindset that seems to be overtaking society that has such a grip, especially on our youth, the future of our country. I was thinking about the attack on the church, like, like never before in history, there would be a time where the church was respected, where, the, where the, at least those that didn't believe, they knew that the church had a place, but now there's just this outright attack. It's not even hidden. It's, it's out in the open. I was thinking about the, the, the land of the free, losing its freedom. And now even just the current chaos in the Middle East, right? I encourage you, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're called to as Christians to do that. If you would have told me two years ago that we would be living through this today, I'm not sure if I would have believed you. Under my breath, I would have said, he's weird. But we're living through it. It's, it's been a whirlwind, to say the least, huh? The, the reaches of the, the wind are wide. They're wide. It reaches the unbeliever as well as believers. Sometimes, those of you that know, reaching us as believers even more. Because we live in this world that is, that is, that is dominated by the enemy. A force that we can't see spiritually, but we know it's, he's there. So we have to deal with things. Sometimes even more, we have to deal with our own flesh that wants to go a certain way, but then God 
this, this road that God has called us to do says, no, you go this way. It's for, your, it's, 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 it's for you. I'm t- I want to take care of you. But it's, it's a battle. Another thing about the range of the wind, the, the whirlwind of this life, is not only is it broad, wide, where it reaches everyone, but it changes in intensity, huh? It, 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 it fluctuates like the real wind. Peter calls it a fiery trial. It's been known in, in the Bible as that evil day. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. There's, there's, a, there's this level of expectation that things are going to happen to us, especially as Christians. The wind of change blows, sometimes in multiple directions. And it's, it's crazy. We, we, we learn how to adapt to the regular wind. We, we, we kind of roll with those things that we just deal with on a, on a daily basis. But then all of a sudden comes a, a whirlwind. It comes a, a hurricane, a monsoon, a, a tornado, all at the same time, it feels like. We see it every day in ministry. A call from, from the doctor after a test. An illness to one of your children out of nowhere. I think of Julie. I think of this young boy named Michael that we're praying for. A devastating blow to your marriage, to your finances. An unexpected death in the family that you could never imagine. But now it's real. We all know how turbulent sometimes wind can get, huh? We live, you know, in the canyons. We know about the fires. We know that one minute it could be calm and all of a sudden the winds kick up and there's chaos. Some of you might wonder sometimes, but God, why is this all happening to me? Well, the reality is that we're not immune to the winds of this life. We live in a fallen world again, and we live in fallen bodies. Those that think, but God, aren't you sovereign? Yes. God, don't I belong to you? I received you. You're in me. Yes. And it's in his sovereignty that we can take solace in what 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, right? That God knows how much we can take. God knows how much temptation we can take. And that word temptation can also mean trials. He knows how much you and I can take. But we must understand that, that God's sovereignty means that he has the power, the wisdom, and the authority to do anything he chooses with his creation. That's what sovereignty means. Matthew 5, uh, 45 tells us that he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends, he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That's talking about that God will bless those that are his and he'll also bless unbelievers. He'll bless both of them, right? In Psalm 145, verse 9 says, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. Well, if that's true, the same is true with calamities, with, with whirlwinds. While we know that God is not the author of these things, he allows it for his sovereign purposes. Yes, he's sovereign. And being God, his ways are higher than ours. We can't begin to understand why things happen. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me, In me, you may have peace. But then he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The range and the reach of the winds of life, the whirlwind is broad. And it's intense sometimes. Though we have this everlasting foundation that the proverb talks about, we're still susceptible to its effects. So that's the range, the reach of the wind. What about the reason for the wind? It's funny, if you've ever been to Cambodia, the uh, Khmer people have a famous saying that says, same, same, but different. Have you ever heard that term? Same, same, but different. They got t-shirts and stuff like that. In my ignorance, I thought that the saying uh, derived from the counterfeit items that they, did pr- they produce in Cambodia, right? Because you go to somewhere in Cambodia and you ask, is that a real Rolex? And their response is, same, same, but different. But I read that the Khmer were, 
for different is uh, Sami Sami, but the P is silent. It's, it's spelled P-S-A-M-E. And so when the, the word same thing is said, what the Kamai people hear is same, same, which means different. Same, same, but different. Anyway, I digress. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that the results of the world when for us and for unbelievers are the same, same, but different. Right? One, God doesn't want anyone to perish. We know that, right? He doesn't want anyone to perish. We are experiencing God's grace because he didn't want us to perish. And so he doesn't want anyone. I don't care how wicked you would say they are to perish. He doesn't. That's why 2 Peter 3.9 says that God is holding back judgment. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His purpose for trials in an unbeliever's life is to get them to what? To look up. To look up. To give in. Many believers in this room came to the Lord through what? Through trials, huh? I know I did. You know, my marriage was falling apart. There's no way that my marriage would have survived if it wasn't for the Lord coming in, if it wasn't for me experiencing the grace of God. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. That's what led me to the Lord. That's what led me to finally say, I'm done. There's nothing I can do about this situation. Lord, help me. And so he uses trials for unbelievers for that purpose, to get them to look up. He went after Paul, back then Saul, not just to to use him, but to save him, didn't he? But what if they wouldn't have responded with repentance? Well, God will forever be just to bring judgment. That's the bottom line. That's why it says the wicked when the whirlwind passes by is no more because they never they never responded to that trial, to that wind in their life. God forbid that happens to any of our children, to any of our loved ones, to any of our family or friends. That's why we have to be on our knees praying for them. We have to be examples to them. We have to be sharing in love under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, because if not, we're going to mess everything up. Jesus to them. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you, do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. When I was thinking about when, I was thinking about how much the Bible mentions it. Many times it mentions it as a form of judgment. For example, in Jeremiah 23, 19, it says, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. He repeats almost the exact same verse in Jeremiah 30, 23. Exodus 10, 13, when God was bringing curses on Egypt, it says, So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locust. But it doesn't always talk about the fact that winds are, are bad, right? God ended the flood with what? With a wind. God used wind to part the Red Sea for the Israelites to cross. God took Elijah in a whirlwind. I was sitting outside uh, my house the other day, and from where I was sitting, there's a view of our neighbor's tree. It's a massive tree. The neighbor lives across the street, but this tree... You just see it from the whole block, full of green leaves. And it was a typical Southern California day, right? We're spoiled here in Southern California in case you do not know. It was 75 degrees with a calm, cool breeze. And that the leaves of that tree were swaying back and forth, almost in, in a rhythm. And, and the Lord brought to mind John 3 when Jesus told Nicodemus, Although we couldn't see the wind, we could hear it. We could see the effects of it. It's the same thing as the spirit of a person and a believer. And, and I'm in no way a, a wind expert, okay? But I know that there's a tailwind and there's a, what, headwind, right? Both have different effects. 
A tailwind is a wind that blows in the direction of travel, while a headwind blows against the direction, the direction of travel. A tailwind increases the object's speed and it reduces the time required to reach its destination. Headwind has the opposite effect, right? And I remember as a kid, one day I was riding my bicycle to my cousin's house. It was a 10-mile ride. Uh, I don't think my mom knew I was taking a 10-mile ride at 8. But for some reason, that 10-mile ride didn't phase me. It didn't phase me at all. I felt unstoppable. I barely had to pedal. That the 10 miles that it took to get to my destination was a, was a breeze. I got there in record time. My cousin says, you're here already? And I said, it's me, man. Of course I'm here. But then the time came to go home. And I assumed, right, that the ride back home would be just as easy like the ride from home. But as I started pedaling, I realized that I wasn't making the same, same headway. The pedaling began to hurt. What was easy now seemed hard. And of course the reason was because instead of having the wind on my back, that tailwind, I was now riding into the headwind. Right? I was riding into the wind. The wind was against me. It was holding me back. But as I began to, to travel that same ride over and over and over again over the years, still riding into the headwind on my way back home, it didn't seem as hard. Why? Because my endurance had been being built up, right? And for us as Christians, that's what the winds of life do. As we march through the winds of life, we're going we're gonna to receive endurance. God is building us up. He's building us up into his image. We might not see it when the winds hit. We might not be happy with them. But one thing is for sure, we can trust that God intends them for good. We can trust that he's using them to build us up, to give us the endurance that we need. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. It says, but let the patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Those of you that are, that are boxing fans, you know that, that boxers train where? At sea level? No, they train at high altitudes, typically in the mountains, right? Not because they enjoy the view or because they love nature, but because the air is thinner up there at higher altitudes, Every breath taken delivers less of what working muscles require. And by training at high altitudes, athletes allow their bodies to produce extra red blood cells that when in competition at lower elevations, they excel. They excel because their endurance has been built up, though painful. As Christians, I get it. We, we enjoy the tailwinds. We like when things go good, when we got the wind behind our back. And we should. We should enjoy it. You know, it's, it's, it, you got to be very careful in quoting Solomon in Ecclesiastes, but he says in Ecclesiastes 7.14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. Recognize it. Recognize when that wind is at your back and give God the glory. Give him thanks. Ecclesiastes 7.14 in the NIV says, when times are good, be happy. He wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.14, there's a time to weep and a time to what? Laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. You guys dance? Job 30.22, Job of all people, says, You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. When the winds are favorable, guys, go forward. Thank God for that. Learn to recognize the seasons. Learn to recognize the sway of the wind. Be joyful. Give God the glory. Enjoy it. Because guess what? Another wind is coming. I remember when I was a young Christian, I was with some brothers in a Bible study in a house, and I made a comment about enjoying God's creation and about being in awe 
of God's blessing on my life. You have to understand who I was before I met the Lord. You would not want to talk to me if you knew who I was. But I was a new Christian. And, 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 and this, this grace over me had impacted me in a, in a tremendous way. I was seeing things in a whole different way. It's like needing glasses in the day that you go to the optometrist and you put your glasses on and you ride home and you see everything in different colors. You see everything crisp. That's what was happening to me the day that I accepted Jesus in my life. And so in this Bible study at my friend's house, I said, man, God is so good, man. I'm looking at the flowers. I'm looking at the clouds. He's just awesome. You got to understand, I wasn't walking to places back then. I was floating to places, right? My life had dramatically changed. I had problems, but those problems were eclipsed by the goodness of God, by the grace of God, by what he had done for me. When all of a sudden in that table, one of the brothers who I didn't know so well smashed his fist against the table. And he said, there ain't no time for no Nancy Pansy stuff in a Marine sergeant's voice. He says, we can't stop and smell the flowers. We've got a war to fight. And I thought to myself first, you're weird. <laughs> and then I said to myself, you might be in a war, but I'm enjoying God. God is blessing me right now. Now, you know what? I understand what he meant now. And even though he was out of place, he, he should have known that I would eventually discover uh, that we were in a war. And he should have let me go on with the wind at my back. There's going to be good days, guys. There's going to be good wind, and there's going to be tough days. There's going to be bad winds. Good winds, bad winds. May we learn to lean, to sway with both. When we have the tailwind on our back, ride it, enjoy it, use it to honor God. When we have the headwind towards us, believe that it's being used by God to prepare you, to strengthen you, to give you endurance, to build you up. So the range, the reach of the wind. The reason for the wind. For an unbeliever, for an, a believer, it's different. Same, same, but different, right? And now let's, let's, let's tackle the response to the winds of life. Because I, I have a feeling that if I would have asked everyone who has experienced whirlwinds in life, most everybody here would have stood up. But if I would have asked the same question only with if they thought they responded well to those winds, I wonder how many people would have stood up. Because I look back at my life and I think of those winds that, that, that have attacked me, the turbulence in my life, and I, and I sit back and I think, I don't know if I handled it right. Lord, I don't know if I learned the lessons that you wanted to teach me back then. I don't know if the suffering was in vain or you used it for good. You used it for the purpose of your kingdom. So it's important that we, that we explore, that we recognize, that we understand that as Christians, we're going to go through the whirlwind. We're going to be marching through, but we're going to go through them. So with the response, turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1. While you're turning there, First and Second Timothy and, and Rich, let us know, Titus are known as the pastoral epistles because they, they spell out the qualifications of, of shepherds, of, of leaders within the church, pastors. But they, they, they carry wonderful applications for every Christian that we should take to our own, right? As you're turning there, just a quick background. Paul had mentored Timothy from a young age in the faith. He loved him like a son. Timothy, though young, I think he was 21 at the time, accepted the calling to pastor the church in Ephesus. But because of his age and other problems, he was having a hard time. The older Christians there just couldn't understand. They just couldn't submit to someone that was younger than them. So it was difficult for, for Timothy. Second Timothy, same thing. He was going through the same struggles, now facing heavy persecution within the church. Paul was close to death, and so he wrote Second Timothy, which we're going to read right now, to encourage Timothy to continue in the faith. So how do we respond to the whirlwinds of life? Well, let's read Second Timothy 
chapter 1, verses 3 and 7. He says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. He knew Timothy was struggling. That I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you, Timothy, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What was Paul doing here? Well, I just told you he was encouraging Timothy. Towards the end of life, he wanted to make sure that Timothy knew you got to keep going. You got to keep going, Timothy. I love the fact that he says, Man, I'm mindful of your tears. I know you're hurting. I, I, I am in awe of the fact that he said, Remember who you are. Remember the genuine faith that was birthed in you. Remember the investment that your grandmother put in you, that your mother put in you. Timothy, remember who you are. And I think that's probably one of the most important ways that we could respond to the winds of life, that we can respond to the storms, to the whirlwinds, is first remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're not just any typical person. You are a born-again believer. You are a child, a daughter, a son of God. Remember who you are. And then what did he tell him next? Stir up that gift of God. Stir it up, Timothy. That's how we respond to the winds. We stoke the fire, guys. Because the winds have this, this capacity to, 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 to lower that fire, to minimize that fire. And if our fire is already just barely, just a little flicker, guess what it's going to do? It's going to snuff it out. Have you guys ever seen those, those, those shows, those nature shows where, where people are trying to survive out in nature, right? And what's the first thing that they need to do? They need to start a fire, right? And so you see them with sticks and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I would never be able to do that. But eventually they get a fire, but what they do, they get a little flicker. And what do they do? They start blowing on it and blowing in it. That's what stoking a fire is. We need to do that, especially during those times of turmoil especially during this time that we're living through right now because I have a feeling that most of us have gotten kind of used to it. But if we take a step back, man, these are extraordinary times that we are living in, that we are living through. Don't let them pass in vain. Use them to stoke the fire. The NASB translation of the Bible says, kindle afresh. The NET translation says, rekindle God's gift in you, Timothy. The ESV and the NIV says, fan into flame that fire. Perhaps we haven't been in the Word, guys, like we should be. We, we treated the Word of God like a snack instead of a meal. We need to stoke that fire and get back into the Word of God. The psalmist says, your word I have hidden in what? my heart so that I would not sin against you. We need to stoke the fire by, by getting back into the word, by realizing that it's, it's God's letter, this personal letter to us, and through his letter, he's going to direct our life. He's going to get us through those whirlwinds as we march to our eternal destination. He is, but he's going to do it through his word. Perhaps we haven't been praying like we once did. Our, our pastor reminds us constantly to be praying. His heart is that this would be a praying church. He reminds us of Hezekiah. When, when, when God says, because you prayed, because you prayed, I responded. And what did God do? He gave Jerusalem victory over 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Perhaps because of what we're going through, we have that 
built-in excuse of no longer fellowshipping. Mark mentioned to those of you that are watching via YouTube, and we, we're so thankful for you watching. We are. We're blessed. You know, sometimes in ministry you wonder, how, how are people doing? And your heart is to call them, but something happens, someone else comes in, and, and you just drop the ball, and you don't end up doing it, but you, your heart still wonders, how are they doing? And then you find out, well, they've been watching. I've been watching through life stream. Praise God. Praise God. It, it brings joy to our heart. But there's going to be a time where you need to come back. You need to come back. That, that spirit that Paul says God gave him, it's not a spirit of fear. It's of love and of what? Of power. And so I encourage you, start making your way back. We'll leave the light on for you. We're here. We love you. Let's, let's congregate together. Let's join together. We're coming out of this thing. And I know some of you still are, are, are leery. Some of you still are being careful. And God has to guide you there. But, you know, we've heard of people who have just been watching through a live stream, and then we, we see them at Costco. And, but Costco is essential, right? I got to eat. But you're still putting yourself through the same harm, through, through the same risk. Don't you need to eat here? Doesn't the Bible call us that we're to get together, that it's important that as much as we can, especially in the last days, that we shouldn't go without congregating together? He does. And so I say this without any judgment at all, with love. Make your way back. Because fellowship is so, so important. Don't let this excuse, man, of this pandemic keep you from fellowshipping. Keep you from, from, from hanging out with Christians, for, for, for praying with each other, for talking about the things of God, for for. for you know, just sharing with each other your struggles and have them encourage you or vice versa. Don't let it stop you. That's how we can respond to the winds of life. That's how we can respond to the turmoils, guys. Yesterday, the men got together and we read um, Proverbs twelve twenty six, where it talks about the fact that the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Why? Because... The wicked leads them astray. And so that got me thinking how important it is for us to be amongst Christians. How important it is for us to be together. How, how the devil used this virus, man, to separate us, to keep us apart. But now it's time to come back. Now it's time to come back stronger. I was thinking about like whenever there's a hurricane or a tornado, what do people do? They hunker down, huh? They hunker down, man. They get underneath something. They, they, they just, they hunker down. But what happens after? Do they stay hunkered down? No, they get up. They assess the damage. They go out the first opportunity they get, and they, they take that deep breath in. And, and I think they thank God. They're not, they're not so concerned with the damages. They're thanking God that they're still alive in light of that turbulent whirlwind that they just went through. We need to do that. You know, I wasn't saved um, when the terrorist attack happened in, in, uh, in September, September 11th. But from what I hear, churches were packed. How many of you guys were saved uh, when September 11th happened? Can, can you attest to that? Am I just blowing wind up here? Or can you say that the, the churches were packed? Packed. From what I heard, you, there, was, there was not a, a seat open People were, were standing. People were sitting. Why? Because people understood, huh? They understood the evil. They understood the times. We need to use this, this, this turbulent wind that we're going through, this whirlwind that we're going through to, to stoke that fire, to understand the times, to know that we, we man, this, if, 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 if we didn't believe everything that the Bible has been telling us, boy, can't we believe it now? Because everything that we've been told, it's, it's happening before our eyes. We don't know how much longer we have, guys. We don't. The second thing that we need to do is we need to stand on the rock. Matthew seven twenty five. 
Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand, and the rain descended, The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. We need to stand on that rock. We cannot stand on anything else but the rock. So many of us turn to to other things. This this pandemic, this, this crazy season that we're living to made us look elsewhere and we forgot to stand on the rock, we need to go back and stand on that rock. That's how we respond to turbulence. That's how we respond to the whirlwinds of life. Third thing we need to do is we need to trust in God fully. I'm telling you, man, I was so blessed by the study that Randy gave on Thursday because as Christians, especially being a Christian for a while, you've heard that taught, right? You, you know that verse. You memorized it. You know it. But, but Randy, man, you could just tell that the Spirit of God was leading him. He just gave this awesome study. And in and, and one of the analogies that he gave, he said, I, I, I sometimes go to the coffee shop and I'm studying for school. But I drank too much coffee, so, you know, the little boy's room calls, right? And so now I'm faced with a dilemma. I got my computer there. I got my books. I got my backpack there. What do I do? Do I pack it? Take it with me? Yeah, that's gross, right? So what do I do is I look towards someone, person next to me, and I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you watch that for me? He says, but then I go in the bathroom. I do my business. I'm washing my hands. I'm rushing. I'm thinking, is this person going to jip me off? Is this person going to rip me off? Or are they paying attention to my stuff the way they should? And he was saying that as Christians, sometimes we do that with God. That we trust him, but we trust him almost like we would trust a stranger. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says that we're to trust God with what? With all our heart, with everything. That's how we get through. That's how we march through the turbulent whirlwinds, through the wind that life throws at us. We trust God fully. And then thirdly, and this is one of my favorite verses or passages in the Bible, we march ahead. Or when the saints, or when the saints go marching in, we march ahead. Philippians 3.12 through 13 says, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards, I march towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We continue marching, guys. We're, we're reminded a lot by our pastor that the only way to lose in this walk that we call Christianity is to give up. No matter what you've gone through, no matter how many times you failed, you get back up and you continue marching ahead. I was talking to someone who was telling me about a young man that used to come to the church and he hasn't been here for a while and he's been struggling. And he was telling him, man, I just don't want to go because, you know, they're, they're probably going to look at me funny or they're going to tell me something. And we were both just saying, man, that's the last thing that we would ever do. We all fall short. We all have struggles. We need to encourage each other to keep going, to go forward, to keep marching, to not look back at our victories or at our failures, but to press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to end with a question. Did the winds, did the whirlwind, did the storm that 
we've lived, or should I say we're living through, cause us to be stirred up or to be snuffed out? That's a question that everyone has to answer for themselves. I pray that the storms of life are used by God to lead us closer to Him. I pray that if you haven't made that decision for Christ yet, that you would ask yourself, what am I waiting for? Why am I letting pride stop me? I've heard God loves me, and He does. I ask you, how many more signs do you need? You read the proverb. It says, when the whirlwind passes by, the wicked are no more. And you need to believe the bad news before you could ever receive the good news. You might have made it through this whirlwind. You might have made it through a few. But you're not guaranteed that you're going to make it through the next. And so that's why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. If you're a Christian, I pray that these things that have happened to us prove that this world is a ticking time bomb that God wants to use your life, that God wants to build endurance in you, that he wants you to comfort others with the same comfort that he provides you through these storms, through these strange winds that we're living through. People need Jesus, guys. They need him desperately. They're afraid. They're confused. They're stressed. They're depressed. They need to hear the hope that we have in us. We have the answer. We have Jesus. I pray I pray, brothers and sisters, that we all kindle the fire that's in us. I pray that we remember who we are. Following Jesus doesn't offer immunity from whirlwinds. It doesn't offer us immunity from storms. But it does give us the opportunity, someone says, to experience fellowship with Jesus in the center of the whirlwind. Tony Evans said, God has a purpose for pain. He doesn't always reveal it when we want him to. In some cases, we won't even discover it until we get to heaven. But he has promised us that if we love him, he will use the good, the bad, and the bitter winds for our good, his glory, and for the advancement of his kingdom. Did you guys know that they say that the calmest part of the storm is in the middle, is in the eye? Not crazy. Nobody wants to choose a storm, but they say if you're going to be in the storm, actually the calmest, the one that has the clearest skies is, is right in the middle because the turbulence is going on around you. And again, we're not immune from the turbulence, but as we center in the middle of who God is, if we're, if we're, if we're right there, if we're clinging, if we're abiding in Him, He's going to get us through. He's going to march with us through the winds of life. He's going to stay close to us. He's going to be that rock that we need to stand on so that one day we can say, oh, when the saints go marching in, when the saints go marching in, oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in.